0: Welcome to the For Real For Real podcast, where we share our reality and perspectives on what's going on in the world of pop culture, sports, relationships, society, and much, much more. All while keeping it real and getting into the shits as we like to say. I'm Jeff
1: Brooks,
2: the Renaissance Man.
1: This your boy, Big Easy. Para mi mujer el pana,
2: me llamo Samuel. And they call me T-Mac, but my mom calls me Trevor. What we got going on today, fellas? Did you miss me? Farnell Hill style, man. We back. That went over some of y'all heads though. I know that. And I don't apologize, but it's a classic episode of Martin, which I hope everyone in the world has consumed at this point. Tommy Davis and Martin Lawrence made made A1 TV with that show. But yeah, man, we're back, man. The Fruit for Real Podcast. We're back here. We took a couple weeks off. We're gonna get into why later on. But as always, man, Jeff's in, man. How y'all feeling? Catch me up.
0: Well, that uh reference definitely went over my head because i was more of a fresh prince of bel-air type of guy and we can have this argument whenever you want but the fresh prince of bel-air was a far superior show and actually had a last season where martin for whatever reason wasn't even in the same room with tisha campbell but i digress weeks going pretty good i had a pretty intriguing day i was on a town hall meeting for the city which I live in, Rawway, New Jersey. And there's a pretty contentious school board race going on. So I'm on the Zoom call for a certain column of candidates and the alt-right hacked Zoom, the Zoom meeting. I'm talking about all throughout the chat. You're seeing the N-word. You're seeing naked pictures, mutated private parts, Confederate flags, and my mood is just so thrown off by it. I have a meeting next
1: week. I pray to God it doesn't happen, but I hear it happens. Damn. I was supposed to follow up that. You know, I was going to try and say something funny, but now Jeff's been thrown off my mood. For me, the classic Martin episode is definitely the Thomas Hitman Hearns episode. I mean, coming at the end of the episode with that mask on, all those lumps, like that shit was hilarious. Yeah, for me, you know, the last couple of weeks have been cool. Like, you know, I'm out here in these COVID streets. You know, I'm, I'm back in an office, which is fucking crazy and weird now. Like, it's cool, you know, rocking a mask and everything. But, you know, now you just don't want to be around people. So trying to, like, deal with that has been fun. You guys, skin. I know we're recording right now and everyone's listening, but my brothers, everyone's
0: looking handsome. Sam, you're looking like you've been hitting the gym. No one has this thing called masking, and yeah, everyone's just healthy. So I'm glad to see you guys are all doing good. Trevor, you had a pretty life changing event that happened today. You care to share it with
2: us? Yeah, man. If, if y'all can't, uh, if y'all can't tell from the vibes, we already on, man. The energy is definitely up, and and that's why we. That's part of, again, part of the reason why we're back on these airwaves. But yeah, man, I had a busy couple of weeks, man. Was was on the last leg of the grind. In the, in the journey of becoming a homeowner. And proud to report that uh, me and my wife locked down the deal today, man, got the keys, so. Let's
0: insert some claps right here.
2: Yeah, man. So we out here, man, and he's wealth building streets, trying to build some generational wealth and, and own some stuff, man. We got a little land, got a little house. So it's dope, man. Trying to bring that energy, man, and that and that enthusiasm to the rest of the community, man. So so glad we can kind of touch on it a little bit in the show today.
0: Yeah. And you know, Trevor is actually in one of the more I'm not gonna say what town he lives in, but he's in a very high pollutant, affluent whatever <laughs> um, One of these towns in New Jersey, so if you guys are from New Jersey, just know that the McNeils are part of a very uh, bougie part of New Jersey. It's not Alpine. It's not Alpine. It's not the Chris Rock neighborhood, but it's uh, a step or two before you get there.
2: I wouldn't say, I mean, there's bougie er places. I'd say it's a spot, though. Like, there's probably, I don't know, I haven't done my research yet, but there's probably, like, a Jack and Jill club, all that other, like, affluent generational wealth amongst Blacks in there, kind of building out in the community there. But, like, that's what the dream is, man. Like, you dream of kind of moving up, and, and we haven't. And part of what we're, we're, you know, I know we're rambling a bit, but, like, part of what we wanted to kind of get to with this episode is kind of catch you guys up on a little bit more of, like, who we are and how we kind of came together. I was born in at least in the city in New York and, you know, cut my teeth in Harlem before moving to Jersey. So, you know, you kind of dream of that like suburban dope lifestyle, man, where you kind of have a dope spot and you got, you know, you got a garage and you can have your dog running around and all that other stuff. But like it's a fantasy, so to speak, especially coming from the, from the inner city that many people don't really get to realize. And if I was smarter when I was younger, I would have listened to the older folks telling me, hey, buy a house and not just to buy a house, but buy a house before you buy a car. So again, um, that's what we're just trying to pass on. But if you get the chance, man, you get the chance to move anywhere, take advantage of it. If you get a chance to move into a nice neighborhood, even better, man, because we all need is just a safe place to lay our head and not worry about, you know, how good or bad the schools might be that our kids are getting uh, rooted and raised in. And hopefully you
1: don't get pulled over by the police all the time.
2: <laughs> I was about to say something that was going to make me out the town. Hopefully not as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. But
0: Trevor, you make an excellent point, man. And it's it's all about, you know, creating wealth and passing on a better situation for your children. You know, and I go off on a little bit of a tangent, but I was just having a conversation with my brother-in-law about doing things for our children and the next generation that wasn't done for us. As a people, we often, same thing goes for pledging, right? You know, if I were treated one way, I'm going to inflict that same type of treatment on the next person. And one thing that I'm trying to tell people is that if you have a child, a teenager, build their credit, get them a credit card, make sure that when they come out of college, their credit scores are booming. It's in the upper 700s to low 800s. They don't have to learn the hard way. They don't have to be dis- more disciplined in order to get to a good spot. Because let me tell you something, a lot of other ethnic groups are already practicing that. They are setting their children up nicely for when they graduate college. And meanwhile, we're inflicting this tough love, get out of my house, you're 18 type of mentality. I'm glad to see that a-, a lot of people from this generation are starting to see the benefits of what we can do for those coming underneath us. and. You know, the fact that you'll be able to say to your children, I have in a good school system, and I'm putting you in position to succeed. I'm proud of you, Trevor. I mean, I know where we came from. When I first met you, bro, you had these uh Jim Jones type of uh, corn rolls in your head. And now to see you as Black excellence, you know, working for reputable companies, building a brand, and just uh, building a beautiful family, brother. It's good to see, man. And I'm sure we'll kind of Just uh, speak a little bit about our journeys and how we know each other. But yeah, can't undersell it enough, man. Uh, Congratulations to you on purchasing your first home, even if you didn't use me as a real estate agent. (laughs) that's <laughs> fire damn
2: yeah, we man. already got here huh? I thought this was a safe place man of love but nah I mean that's and that's uh, again that opens us up um, I feel like we keep resetting about how we're getting into the topics but it's all kind of intermingled man because like in, in the example here like so me Jeff and Sam man we go back what now, now 15, 15, 16 years with friendships and brotherhood that kind of stretches that long like we, we often as, as a society kind of place that like oh well you know, you, you got to give your friend the hookup, or you got to give your friend the work, or you kind of got to keep it in the family. And that's totally fair and the right way to do it. I don't want to kind of miss out on that point. But like, who's going to know you better than, than your brother or your friend that goes back that far, right? So Jeff and I joke about me not using him. Um, but like, I didn't use Jeff because I know what Jeff does. we on this show every week. I know what Jeff has as a day job. I know what Jeff has as a side job. I know what Jeff has as a side, side job and hustle and things that he's trying to do. When you need a real estate agent, man, you got to be out like how in this market when the houses is going left and right. If you ain't go see that house the day it opened up for open house and you wait three days, that house has already done a best and final. So you out, you out the mix. Like you got to move fast. So being realistic about, you know, where my schedule is and kind of the time I have and Jeff's obligations. If I'm like putting that weight on him to say like, yo, I need you to kind of come through for me as an agent and knowing that he may not have his full self to kind of dedicate to me as a client, like we're both going to be in a bad spot where we're going to be at odds over this thing that like, ultimately, like, yes, it's great to do business together and break bread. But at the end of the day, I respect him enough not to like, put him in a bad spot where I'm going to be pissed off. And I hope he'd respect me enough to know that at the end of the day, he probably really wouldn't have had the time to kind of dedicate to move the way that I would have needed to in this market, you know, and that's what you can do as real friends. You can kind of have that, that mutual understanding of like, Hey man, from the outside, y'all might not understand it, but like we do. And that's, what's important. And at the end of the day, I hope that more people kind of, you know, just keep it a buck with each other.
0: And the crazy thing about it is that, you know, me and my boy, we're so tight that I already knew the reason behind it when I already knew that he was uh, already looking for homes. Like, I didn't even second guess it. I know it wasn't anything personal. And I could certainly appreciate the pressure I don't have to take on, you know, because you want to do a great job for your friends. I mean, you can deal with some disappointments when it comes down to just regular clients, you know, things don't happen. But let's just say there was a house on sale and we were looking to make, put an offer in. And Trevor says, hey, Jeff, I want to put an offer in for this much. And I say, hey, you know what? You only got to come 5000 above ask." And then the house goes for 10000 above ass. It was good advice for me to tell them to put money above ask, But because I didn't tell them to do it at the exact amount of money and we might have lost out on it, I'm going to be kicking myself in the ass for months, even after we purchase the house. I might just say to myself, oh, man, you know, this is a nice house they're in, but they really would have liked the house in this town. So for me not to deal with that and – to see my boy come up, it's a win-win for me. And then just on a side note, his mother actually is involved with real estate and we're actually working out a deal right now. So, you know, everything comes full circle and I just think it's fair to just um, put it out there, you know, for those who might see from the outside looking in our inner circle, those that we deal with on the regular, they see Trevor closing on a house and they don't see So by Jeff sign with it, you know, we're boarding good. And this is how it's been designed this is actually done on purpose whether or not we even established it from the beginning like it's you got to be able to read you know a couple say your love language you got to be able to see to read your bro language as your brother and you know the fact that he did consider me and everything that i'm going through in regards to just all the hustles i got going on it speaks volumes to his intuition so uh once again bro
1: congratulations and Yeah, man, we're all good. How do you think you guys developed that kind of friendship or that that level of communication? Because that's not something that happens overnight. So how do you think that developed? Or where do you think that developed? You know what's crazy?
0: Trevor and I, we're like different sides of the same coin. We're both Capricorns. We have like a a similar outlook on life. I think we're, we're both great people in regards to just like a high code of morality. I think we take strong consideration of how we treat the women in our lives and are people just trying to do good in this world. What's the word I'm looking for, Trevor? We're both street smart, but we're not products of that environment. So I think ultimately we have the same goals and we have a, a similar temperament. We just I'm just less laid back than Trevor,
2: you know? Less spot on. Yeah. I think it's like one day we'll we'll kind of go deeper into and I know we kinda touched on it a little bit with like the Father's Day episode, which if y'all haven't checked that out, highly suggest it. It's, you know, one of our favorite episodes as host of this thing. But you know, there's a little bit of kindred spirits in our upbringing and our family situations, like father, mom, kind of like very, very similar in that. And then we also you know, as through our teenage college years, like lived in towns kind of close to each other. So like all that ropes together in addition to kind of like the trajectory of dating lives and stuff like that. So you kind of become, and even my mom is, is Jeff. like, my mom would be like, oh, that's Jeff's the, the light-skinned Trevor. You know what I'm saying? And that's like, a, it's a compliment, I think, even if it is a little creepy. We see things similar way, even though we're not always kind of on the same page about things, like we kind of come from a similar background. And I think, you know, we come from the same space of like, respect and the mission of purpose of where we were trying to be i remember we was like i feel like we might have been maybe like 20 or 21 out at like a club somewhere and i remember jeff you might not remember i remember one night i don't know what we were talking about but i just remember jeff saying to me he's like yo man no me and you man one day man we're gonna be making 100 we're gonna both be making six figures man we ain't gonna be doing none of this." like i think jeff's always had that ambition about him that mindset of like yo i'm gonna be a." like i don't know if he and I'll keep it a buck with you. I don't know if he knew how he was gonna get there, but I think he's always had that that ambition about him, and that's like kind of where we connect but to to answer your point and, and to stop rambling on about it Sam I think it just comes from. Like I said, you, you get to know people over time and, and going through different situations, going through highs and lows, seeing people kind of deal with hardships, seeing people, you know, deal with the, the most beautiful things in life as well. Like you kind of know that the ins and outs of that person and, and confide in them and the things that you may not tell everyone else. So when you get to that level of a connection and, and a relationship and, you know, and again, to bring it full circle to a brotherhood. You just know, like right? all the stuff that we just kind of talked through through the show, like Jeff saying, like, yeah, I kind of knew why he didn't do it. Like, I didn't tell him. I don't know that. Maybe I did. Like, it would have been nice probably for me to be like, yo, like, here's why. But like the fact that he's like, yeah, you didn't have to say it. And I knew that just goes to see like, all right, well, we're on the same wavelength, right? Like the fact that he didn't take it personal and I didn't mean it as anything personal. It's just like, yo, like, this is the thing we got to do. And like, if you know someone long enough, you know that like at the end of the day, they're looking out for you, even if they're not looking to you in the moment. So, Trevor, why didn't you give me money to find you a house? I
1: would have found you something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I'm give you some money and some money to find a computer,
1: man. Sam. <laughs> a little bit of money.
0: I got a story. Like, I didn't even really know, to a certain degree, like, what a Dominican was until I, <laughs> until I got more familiar with Sam. I probably said this a few times, but, like, Sam used to have this AIM screening. It was called Everybody Think I'm Black. And I'm saying to myself, like, wait, this boy ain't black? <laughs> what, what's a Dominican? Like, I knew what a Dominican was, but I mean, I just didn't really know, like, what they were. And then, you know, Sam Sam and I got really close, man. We met probably, what, in 2004? In 2004, yeah, we started, like that early we started to pledge, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we always been cool. We've been in the same line, which, for those of you who don't know anything about Greek life, um, when you say pledge in the same line, you have what you call a pledge class. So there's people that pledge at the same time as you. You're doing all the same ridiculous activities. And you pretty much have to complete the pledge process at the same
2: time. And during that time. you I'm sorry, ridiculous activities. You mean studying together.
0: Yeah, library yeah. hours, all that, all that stuff. All that right? stuff. Yeah, of course. <laughs>
2: no hazing. Okay. <laughs>
0: Absolutely no hazing at all. With that being said, I mean, we definitely developed a bond during the process, but it really wasn't until Sam moved closer to where I stayed, to where we became like ace boom coons, like kicking it several times out the week. I'm big on numbers. I'm big on birthdays. Sam has the same birthday as my mother. A lot of my great friends are either Pisces or Capricorn. And yeah, man, you know. Sam's just a great guy. You probably get that sense during this podcast if you've kind of seen his take on things. He's very family-oriented. He puts the people around him first. Very dependable. I was able to see that throughout the years. And and yeah, man, this has been like, you know, my brother, my, one of my therapists, <laughs> you know, one of two. And yeah, I really just can't explain it, man. But, you know, it, we didn't start off as the closest. I definitely had people I kicked it with more um, during college. But and the years that really mattered, I mean, it, it's really been me and Sam going hard for a long time now.
1: I kind of feel the same way. So like, yes, as, as Jeff, you know, alluded to, yes, we were, were part of the the same line at the same chapter. So at the same school, Trevor's also a part of our pledge class, but he was at a different school. And, and he pledged by himself too. Yeah. You know, he <laughs> I, was, as a I solo. was
2: studying remotely by myself and, um... Staying on top of my uh, my notebooks and and stuff, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Those academics always come first. Yeah. Library hours, all that, you know. Yep. <laughs> More studying. Yes. All that. No partying here, you know. Jeff and I definitely grew close once I kind of really, you know, started living close closer to him. Um, and you know, Jeff used to come through and kick it all the time. Where I was living was a pretty like dope spot. We would. We'd have parties all the time oh, that, that I can't really talk about, but they were good times, you know, damn near like club promoter kind of party situation. It going on in my career with like 70 or 80 people may or may not have had adult entertainment, but whatever, I digress. I think that as we kind of like just grew older and matured, Jeff, you know, one of the things that he absolutely did and looked me out and found me the job that I'm currently at. I've I've been there, I don't know, damn near 10 years. And, I, and Jeff was the one that kind of put me on, right? Because Jeff has always been someone who's like giving and, and willing to kind of like connect you to whatever you need to, which has always been, you know, something that's super great and something I've always been appreciative of. His mom's us sharing the same birthday, like, I got all kinds of love for Jeff's mom and, and Jeff's family in general. She calls me her son. I definitely feel like she's definitely another mother, definitely been there for me in rough times, and Jeff has been there for me in, in rough times. I've been there for him, so I definitely appreciate all that. Trevor, similarly, I think once I was started working at that job, I was in the city, Trevor and I started, you know, connecting a a lot. And it doesn't mean that in college, like, we didn't all connect and we didn't all chill. And obviously, we were part of an organization. So, like, we saw each other at social gatherings and, you know, library hours. So, we would see each other for that stuff, right? But, yeah, as we kind of became adults and, you know, would have fun in in New York City, you know, in our mid-20s, that's how our relationship grew. We all love boxing, too. We we can't leave Uh, that out. I would also share that. And that was going to be the other part of my connection to Trevor. So Trevor used to work for this company um, where he would get access to, you know, fights and some memorabilia and stuff and all that. So definitely been to Vegas, you know, and had a free hotel room a time or two because of Trevor. Right. Definitely saw some like big time fights with some free tickets. So how could you not love a dude who gives you that? Yeah, man. If if times ever get rough, man, I'm definitely
0: selling those uh, Ornithograph Mini Pacquiao gloves, man. I got (laughs) too many stuff like that, man.
2: Good looks. Man, I, I forgot about those times, man. It wasn't even that long ago, man. But yeah, that's um, it's kind of dope to kind of reflect on all those memories and to kind of catch y'all up, man. So if you've been listening to this episode, that's kind of like we realized, man, when we jumped off with this show, and I know we touched on it in an earlier episode, how we didn't really set out with the intention of being the voice of the Black perspective with all of these crazy things going on in the world. And honestly, man, we just had to take a break, man. The last couple of weeks, it was just like... We don't want to keep talking about this heavy stuff man we don't want to keep talking about black people being murdered and police being you know going unchecked and just bad news and drama and death and and trump and just like everything that makes you feel like, America's only getting worse and the year's only getting worse. And and that's why we kind of needed to take a little break. And we came back with this one, just, like, realizing that, hey, man, like, we we jumped into this show and we never really talked about us and how we kind of came together and why we came together to do this show. So that was our way in to kind of say, like, all right, well, let's have some fun being us, man, and talk about the stuff that we want to talk about and reminisce, so hopefully you guys, like, rock with us through this, man. But another angle in all of this was just, like, The reason we started on the college stuff was because, you know, I don't know if y'all been watching Power, man, but this new, this ghost book too, man, it's getting crazy. Tariq is back and and bringing me back in from the first episode, I was hooked all over again. I hope y'all felt the same.
0: Bro, it ain't that serious. It ain't that good. But, you know, it's just like, I compare Power to McDonald's. You know, if, if you want the best, cheeseburger you're not going to eat at McDonald's but with power you know what you're going to get you're going to get a lot of action you're going to get a lot of suggestive scenes you're going to get a lot of fuckery I mean there's power is a very reliable entertainment it definitely is entertainment but it ain't that good I definitely got a couple takeaways Um, I want to ask our resident Dominican Sam what he thinks
1: about power I would totally tell you what I think about Power, except I just don't watch it. My thoughts on Power is, you know, what what I initially thought. I watched the first series, right? And I saw maybe all of season one and about half of season two. I just, none of the characters were believable to me, right? They really weren't. And I could see like the entertainment value behind things, right? Like people like, I could see why people could like something like Power, but like, it just didn't make sense to me. Like uh, having a white gangster being, like, your number two, like, yeah, it just it just didn't make sense to me. It's 50 Cent and Eminem. That's
0: Tommy and Ghost. But it's, to me, Ghost is more like an Idris Alba. Like, who bodies people with silencers and Lululemon athletic gear on? You know, it's, I just, I don't really get how someone like Ghost does come up. But needless to say, I mean, you know, he's your girl's man crush Monday. You know, he's a pretty good actor, too, Murray Hardwick. I definitely think he did a great job with that role. I would love to see him come back. I I think it's unfortunate, spoiler alert, that he is not in Ghost uh, Power Book 2 because he was killed off in the first Power. Uh, (gasps) Even if if he came off like as a Professor X, you know, in a wheelchair or something. Like, I'd rather see that than to see this led by Tariq, who like, stop trying to make me like Tariq. Like, it's not happening. Like, I'm never going to root for him. Have you guys ever watched Oz before? Yep. Okay. I would like the Tariq character to take on more of a role of like a Ryan O'Reilly. And Ryan O'Reilly was somebody who was always outman, man, outgunned, but he always outsmarted out with the competition or the, the other people in prison. And that's how he got through. And I just can't see how someone like Tariq, who comes from a privileged background, would be able to navigate in the criminal underworld. He can only be from just sheer intelligence, Sheer cleverness and sheer wittiness, and I'm not sure if they're doing that with his character just yet. So you um, feel I'll, I'll like what he's happens?
1: A, he's basically AJ Soprano, is that what you're saying? Yeah, and they keep having him do these
0: like these fake deep quotes when he's like quoting Aristotle or, or Plato, and these uh, you know, when the Professor Reynolds is reading to him in class, and he's reading what he thinks about the passage. It is the most basic basic interpretation of what was written, and they're just like, oh my god, Tariq, you're so deep. He's not deep. He's, he's not that smart. And I just wish we uh, stopped having our intelligence insulted. But, Mr. McNeil.
2: First off, man, I just want to say <laughs> y'all are really disrespecting this new golden age of black television. Similar to the disrespect that y'all showed earlier in this episode from Martin in that Von L. Hill episode, which I highly suggest everyone goes and checks out. You know, Tariq, with this season and, and part of like why I, brought, why I was brought back in and the kind of connection with us is like, you know, you're seeing him as a, as a young man, right. And kind of experiencing college. And and I think for as far fetched as some of the stuff that they did in power might've been over the, the last few years, i kind of seeing him as a affluent male who kind of, I don't want to say he doesn't want it, but he kind of wants something else. Right. You know, you guys, especially like we went to school with some of these kids like him, those people that kind of came from money but didn't want to act like it or just felt like they had something to prove. And you kind of see that with his character. And I think that's an interesting dynamic because we don't see it. I don't think we see it on TV enough. Like we saw The Wire. You could see, you know, Oz, you see the corner. Like there's always that like, hey, I'm in the hood and I'm struggling and I'm trying to come up, but it's rare that you kind of see someone that's from Money and then kind of still turns to that life. So I think that's an interesting dynamic. But like the other thing that I'm like, especially kind of interested in this season is like the relationship between Tariq and Brayden, his roommate. And this last episode as it kind of wrapped up the mid season. You kind of see that friendship get tested a little bit. And that reminds us of again, like how you kind of form those relationships, those formative relationships in college where you kind of come across someone and like, you kind of like, I rock with you, but I don't really know if I rock with you enough to kind of bring you all the way in. And that's like an interesting life lesson, man. And I, I don't know if that's getting lost on people when they're just like, you know, they're seeing the shoot up scenes and they're seeing the sex scenes. But like ultimately, they're telling real stories of coming of age. And I think that's dope because we don't see these stories on television nearly enough, man. So I'm gonna need y'all to stop, stop bad math in the show, man.
0: I mean, I think we've been there before. I think that the friendship between Tariq and, uh, was it Brayden? is it's like a new age ghost and Tommy it's a, just a repackaging of that you, you have Tariq who I think sees the bigger picture has the vision and then he, he has someone like Braden around who is useful right but he is a bit reckless you know he is a bit braggadocious um he is a bit clueless the same way that Tommy was, it's just that Tommy was just a straight-up killer, you know? But he was used for the muscle. But it was always ghosts who had the vision, ghosts who had the vision for the empire. And you're seeing how Tariq, as much as he despised the man, is really the man that he despised. He he is ghost. And I think one thing that the show is doing very well is just it's like similar to Breaking Bad. Like you see Walter White in the first episode coming out the Winnebago. And tighty-whities, you know, with the full head of hair from the science lab. And then by season six, he's the crystal meth version of Scarface. I think you're starting to see a, a real transformation of, of Tariq becoming a criminal mastermind, a drug kingpin or what have you, just, just like Ghost. And it's very intriguing to see how they can take this clueless, privileged kid and, and make him... It is something totally different in the next few seasons. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to. I want to see if I still recognize the character that we see in season one of Power Book Two, Ghost Book Two. What, what do you call the show? Ghost Power Book Two?
2: Um, it's I just still Power. Feel- we it's just still- call it Power. They got the same opening song, it's just, it's just Power.
1: Yeah. It sounds like the, you know, an origin story to The Wire. Tell me what the difference between that and like what Avon Barksdale was and, and Idris Elba's character was. Like, it totally sounds like that. Trying to create this, we're getting to a point where, yes, you're creating a backstory, but we know that Idris was kind of like the visionary and Avon was... The dude that wanted to be out in the streets and like oh
0: so so you watched the show already so it's nothing to uh, watch now you, so, you know so I'm
1: just I'm just saying like you know <laughs> it sounds like something we've seen already and, and it happened you know 15 years ago
2: the difference is so in the wire they was like literally in the streets you know what I mean and and with uh, with power kind of a little bit removed I mean so much more so with uh, with the ghost book two thing because Tariq's he's on the college campus and like yeah they're moving weight but they're not moving it to to the same types of that you would see in the Baltimore projects or wherever. So, I mean, I think that's, you know, a different wrinkle. I mean, it's, it's surely not an original story. I think it is a little bit of a different kind of approach to it. Because, like I said, you don't really, like, there's the show that needs to come back. I don't know what they're doing. Snowfall. And then that list went short yep. after that, right?
1: Definitely waiting for Snowfall to come back. So, Trevor,
0: like, uh, I want to know if you saw this one coming. Watching this show, I was talking to my wife. And I said, I guarantee you a student is going to smash that professor. And sure enough, Kendall Gill or, or Kendall Gill look alike <laughs> definitely smashed the professor. My, my,
1: my, my, my. Now,
0: that's Jody Gill, Sam.
1: Kendall Gill from, from oh. the New Jersey. Oh, 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 yes, yeah. you're right. Like, <laughs> <whoops. laughs> that that would know? actually been cooler. Yeah, would, <laughs> Ken, Ken, Kendall Gill is way more irrelevant. Well Kidokio actually probably smashed
0: the R and B singers too, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe he was with like Tony Braxton or something. I, I, Allegedly. That was uh, part of
1: that was part of the rumors, yes. That was, yeah, okay, okay. Yes.
0: I'm aging myself right now.
1: But yeah,
2: I knew for sure that she was gonna get smashed
0: by a student.
2: Did you see that coming, Trevor? They definitely were setting it up. I wasn't mad at seeing it because I think it's... They did the flip side, right? Because you saw the abuse of power a little bit with her male counterpart and, you know, kind of his interaction with his teaching assistant or whatever she was.
0: Hate um, him, by the way. Wor- worst character ever.
2: Yeah. I so wish nothing but bad for him. <laughs> so then for her to kind of have her moment, like they play it off and she was like a little bit more vulnerable, but you can kind of tell that they're setting her up as a little bit of a sex addict. I'm here for the drama, man. Like I, I think that it's something that like is obviously... Executed with the double standard in society, right? Where one side is looked at like as a little bit of a predator, where everything is like, you know, in this case, you see the students sleeping, the male students sleeping with the female teacher, like, oh, go, go him, right? He's like, he's kind of come up and he bagged one. Like I said before, man, I, I kind of appreciate them just turning everything a little bit on his head, even if it isn't like truly groundbreaking TV, surely not anywhere. You know, one thing we didn't talk about was. Just all of the new characters in the show, right? So you got a lot of returning
0: characters like Sax, like Notori from 3LW. But now you got Mary J. Blige, my birthday twin. And we got M-E-T-H-O-D man, you know, playing a lawyer, uh, which I'm not quite sure about, you know, the casting. I don't think I like him in that particular role. And I honestly, I know that Mary J. Blige has done a pretty good job in some of her other acting roles. And I think she may have been nominated for an Emmy, but her as Monet, it appears as if she's actually reading the lines off of someone else's jacket. Like, I don't like the cadence. I don't like the way she's acting. I don't know. I mean, she seems like she would be good for that role, but I'm not sure if she's doing a good job. Something's amiss. Are you seeing that, Trevor?
2: I think she's doing, she's doing alright. She's not making the show unwatchable, or the, her scenes, rather. But she definitely does feel like she is forcing... Like whoever the archetype is that she pulled from to kind of play that mom, she's kind of forcing and like with like her her facial expressions and like the hard looks and the the hands. Yeah. I mean, it, it does all feel very, very heavy handed, but like I'm fairly certain she pulled that from her mom or her grandmother or some mother that she came in contact with to kind of channel that. So I don't mind it that much, man. But I think Method Man is killing, man. I think Method Man is like I watch it and I don't feel like I'm watching Method Man. And that's the best that you can do as an actor, man. So again, I'm going to give the props to the show because they're still hitting on one out of two ain't bad with these uh, legacy cameos.
1: Are we sure that she's not pulling from, you know, Kamala Harris, you know, from last night's debate? Just, you know, all those facial expressions. Come on, man. And what, Method Man can't be a lawyer? Why, why can't he be a lawyer? He's only good at being a drug dealer or murderer, like, or, you know, being high. So, like, you know, give the man a chance. I mean, it's not that he's doing a bad job at all. I
0: mean, it's just like it's like he's always method man to me. It's like Steve Urkel, right? Like, has Jaleel White ever played anything besides Steve Urkel? I mean, he may have. I'm sure he's been casted, but you're always going to see him as being Steve Urkel. The same thing with uh, Alfonso Ribeiro, with, with Carlton Banks. Method man, and he doesn't even go by an actual real name. He goes by method man. He will always be, to me, Method Man or the annoying character from Belly, you know, it's <laughs> who got shot at by the dude with the banana in Nebraska. I mean, that to me is what Method Man is. He's the actor in Belly, and he's the man that raps on You're All That I Need with Barry J. Blige. That's probably how the action Cassidy, by the way. They probably just, you know, oh, they have good chemistry together. But they haven't had any scenes together either. So I'm confused. I really am confused. Sam,
1: what would it take for you to actually tune in and watch Power Book 2? If we're going to have another podcast where we talk about power. <laughs> nah. I, so here's, here's what I'll say is that I think all of us right now currently in America or the world are just like searching for things to watch in my search, I might land on, on power, sure. I'm pretty sure that all I need is another board weekend as we kind of get a little closer into the winter here. But yeah, it's it's not very high on my list. It's no P-Valley. But like, here's my thing, though. It's like, do we set our standards too high? And, and I know that
0: we're these very, you know, intellectual brothers, right? You know, we have our college degrees. You know, we are well-spoken you know, we're sophisticated, we like to read books, but can't we just be entertained? I mean, does everything have to be literal masterpiece, you know, an Emmy award-winning type of production? I mean, can we just be entertained by mediocre writing garbage sometimes? I mean, can it be guilty pleasures? I mean, does power and literally have to be the second coming of the wire for us to enjoy it? Or, you know, can it just be you know, that McDonald's cheeseburger that you know what you're going to get when you open
1: the the box. Definitely during the pandemic, I've, you know, lowered the my standards. So, like, I'm more willing to watch things that I probably wouldn't have watched before right now if i have like youtube on i'm you know all these damn like web series are like popping up and all these dumb skits right now why because i clicked on one and now they're just going right so at this point like yes it's okay for all of us to lower our standards or really like to just seek different type of entertainment so yes i'm with you i understand that that's why i said like i'm open to watching this iteration of power just like i was open to watching the first iteration of power but I could not get into it just because, like I said, so here's my my biggest struggle for like that, you know, for the season and a half of Power that I watched is that Ghost was too like close to the streets. So considering and I don't want to compare it to something like Breaking Bad. Right. But what I'd say is I couldn't quite con- get the distinction of like, all right. You're doing all these things to kind of like look legit in public, but you're still like in that first episode and you have a dude tied up in the back and you're about to shoot him yourself. There should be some levels removed, if anything. And I, again, not wanting to use a pure like Breaking Bad comparison, but like the person I like the most on that show was Gus. Why? Because like Gus really wasn't. He owned the chicken shack. That's what the fuck he did in public. That's what he was now. Walter White made him have to go back a little bit into his old game. But ultimately, like, what Gus wanted to do was be out here in the streets. He wasn't trying to, like, burn the other midnight oil. I just couldn't quite get that at this point, even though we're in, like, episode one or two of of the series, like, you know that Ghost has been in the game for quite some time. So he should have just been a little bit more removed than I would want my main star to be at that point. And then, you know, I just couldn't get into Tommy and the way he kind of, like, interacted with... Yeah, just couldn't do it.
2: Sam, you kind of shot yourself in the foot, man, because the fact that you said you only watched a season and a half and then you based your characterization of the storyline on that shows that you kind of... If you would have stuck with it, if you get season four, five, six, James St. Patrick's character goes for public office... He does kind of step further and further away from the streets. And then they have the kind of turning event where where his daughter gets killed. And then he kind of gets closer back. There's a whole season where he's just like a little bit of a madman. But, it, but it shouldn't
1: take five seasons to get there. You know what I mean? Like, that's the issue. So, like, that's what everyone kept telling me, right? Like, it's like, oh, but once you get to season three, I'm like, yo, once I've invested 40 hours, then I'm going to be like, oh, I'm really going to be into the show? Like... Nah, like the first few episodes is what's supposed to get you.
2: You're uh, just the lost cause on that, man.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. For all the listeners out there, I will give this version of power a chance and, and I'll tell you about it next week. I'll tell you about my thoughts. How about that? Is that fair?
2: Well, next week, man, we got to get into Lovecraft. But yeah, we can promise to, to do a full, because they're not coming back till December, man. So we could do a deep dive on what we actually think is going to come, man. But I, I'm just honest. I'm just excited that there are you know, this has been a good run for like the past like year or so. I don't know if it's all been this calendar year, but you had you know you had Watchmen. Come on, man! What other black shows has it been? Lovecraft um, Country. Love, well, Lovecraft just kind of happened. In- 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 right?
0: insecure. In- insecure,
2: insecure. I forgot. Like the the shy was a good season, man. Um, e- Valley, e- Valley you had Power Wrapping Up and you got Ghost Book 2. Like, there's been, like, I don't, again, that's why I feel like it's a new golden age where you've had, like, almost a year straight where there was something that was solid in quality to watch on television. We left out, was Kenya Barris' Netflix? Black,
0: uh, is Black AF? Yeah.
2: yeah, Black AF, man. I mean, it's been a good that's year that's of stuff to watch, man. And that's just what I'm most proud of and most, most happy to kind of see that, like...
0: Yeah, we had, I mean, not during the pandemic, but we also have Pose. Great show, by the way. Shout out to, uh, you know, our LGBT brothers. Great
2: show. That's what makes it a dope time, man. So bringing it again back to like that support of brotherhood and like a a theme that was there in Black AF, right? With the episode with Kenya Barris is talking about, hey, you just got to support this because it's black, right? And that question, how do you guys feel about that? Because we, you know, Jeff, you and I touched on a little bit about like kind of like do you kind of go with your friend? Do you support your friend? Or do you kind of let your opinion and your, your objectives and your needs be met by what serves you best? And if you don't feel like this is going to serve you best by watching this show, in Sam's case, clearly for power, do you ride with that? Or do you say, hey, I need to just take one for the team, support the culture, and make sure that we can kind of continue to see these stories told?
0: You know, I try to give shows from our community a little bit more leeway than, than your typical show. You know, because you want to support not just the show itself, but the actors and the production and the, and the writers that are a part of the show. And, you know, maybe they might not get it right this time, maybe your viewership can help them land the next spot. And maybe one of the writers is going to get much of a shine on the show, but the show that they're writing for right now ends up becoming a better show for them two or three years from now. And when do you have their own chance to shine? So I don't think that you owe it um, to anybody to waste your time and, and to put yourself through, uh, through torture. But, you know, you know, a lot of times we're working with less, less resources and a smaller budget. and uh, I think that should be taken into account when you consider the quality of the show. So with all things considered, you know, I think you do owe it a little bit to support the community, especially knowing what it took to get there. And just pray and hope that, you know, if you give them a shot that they only grow and get better as uh, the
1: show becomes more mainstream and becomes more popular. So yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but what I'll say is that when we're talking about art, cause that's essentially what it is, TV and entertainment and all that movies, like it's art, art is subjective. It's really about whether I like this thing or I don't like this thing. I can not like this thing, but still root for you. And I think that's kind of like the struggle for all of us. Although I wasn't a watcher of power, right? plenty of my friends were, and it's not like I rooted for that show to get canceled or anything, like, because I knew, like, we know what that means, Black lead actors, Black writers, it was a Black produced show, like, there just aren't that, well, at least at at the time Power first premiered, there weren't that many, now we've come to a place where we have a few, right? It's still not a bunch, but it's a few, right? As much as back in the day, I might have not been a huge fan of, like, Tyler Perry movies or even like his shows, we do have to give him credit for the empire in which he's built. And although like it's not for me, like I don't think a lot of the things that he makes are geared towards like my taste. I still have to (laughs) give him that for creating a a billion-dollar empire. And ultimately, like again, I don't have to appreciate his specific art but I have to root for people like Tyler Perry or I have to root for people like Kenya Barris, right? Like you have to root for these people because otherwise these things don't get made. Yeah, well, you know what? I also, you know, because of this
0: pandemic, right? You know, and I used to be one of those people, like I think that my taste in television is just a sophisticated type of taste, but I lowered my standards recently. At least I thought I lowered my standards and I started watching a show that was on Netflix, that was on The CW, and that show was all American. Now, this is a show that if I saw it and if I walked into a room, I would say, oh, CW show? Oh, man, I'm not watching this. Like, you turn this off, man. What? Put the game on. But my wife and a lot of other people said the show was pretty good. They watched a few episodes. And let me tell you, I, you know, and I know it's not like the best production, but it's a very enjoyable show. And, and that's the thing. I just think that it's like the Godfather Part 3 or, or Rush Hour 3. Like, you don't necessarily have to get Rush Hour 1 and 2 to know that Rush Hour 3 is also a good movie. It's still good. Even though All American has some great value, discount bloods in there. Like, I don't get how they cast some of these gangsters. You know, I, I don't believe you. You need more people. But outside of that, man, I'm looking forward to the next season of it. And yeah, it, it's a CW show, right? It's, it's a show that my nieces probably watched. But... I'll definitely give it another shot for sure, because I got something that wasn't a total waste of my time. And yeah, if it's between that and, you know, snowfall coming on at the same time, like it's no question. Uh, All American gets DVR'd and it, I might watch it a few days later where snowfall gets, you know, let me put everything aside for today. You know, if we're recording the podcast this day. No, we're going to record it the next day because snowfall is coming on this day. That's the kind of show that is. I don't need that from every single show.
1: We're not haters. I know Trevor hated Bad Boys for Life. That was, may not have been as good as one and two, but it was certainly not something you should hate. Yo, Bad Boys for Life was the truth. I mean, yeah, you know what's funny?
0: The one thing about Bad Boys for Life that's very similar to Power is that there's an interracial couple, like uh, what's uh, my man that's married to Mary J. Blige's character. And the kids just come out like just one race. And same thing with Will Smith and his uh, Hispanic lover. That's not Will Smith's son. That is freaking Ricky Martin. Like, that is, you know, like, how did they make that kid? He was all the way a poppy.
2: I think we were journeying into deep waters with these uh, colorism of actors, man. I'm just glad people are getting roles, man. I, if they can act it out, man, I don't really care what their ethnicity or racial makeup might have been in terms of the uh, fitting the characters archetype, man. Race is a social construct anyway, man.
0: Hey, listen, you may not agree, but you are nice right. Nice clean up there, Trevor. <laughs> you know I'm right.
2: Yeah, man, we're back, man. We got another episode in. For this week, man, I want to give a special shout out to who else, man? But Kamala. We didn't we didn't really get too much into the politics and the VP debate, man. But props to her to holding her own, man, out there, man. It's been a, been a crazy week. And uh, for her to kind of show up on that stage and kind of put that boy into place. And maybe for RBG as well, you know, sitting that fly down to, to hop on his head. Tell Sethi, I wanted to know he You know, it's kind of dope to kind of see the rest of the country kind of really get behind these debates in a big way, man. So I hope everyone's doing their civic duty, man, and exercising their right to vote in this upcoming election.
0: Kamala Harris, Senator Kamala Harris, you know, put some respect on her name. Uh, not only does she hold her own, but I think she wiped the floor with, with Vice President Mike Pence as well. And I think it's uh, it's just an observation and an indictment on our society that women, women, But black women especially have to uh, walk a tightrope, you know, how they assert themselves publicly. Um, She had to be more than polite. She was consistently and constantly interrupted, and she had to keep her cool. When she didn't really have to keep her cool, but, you know, because of the way society views women, especially black women, she did that. She took one on the chin, and she also delivered, and she indicted this uh, administration. And she made a good case for Joe Biden, you know, seeming like we would have some sense of stability and some uh, competent leadership if they were to be elected. So shout out to her, shout out to the 5 million plus people who have already casted their votes. And it's very important that we all get out there and do it as early as possible and the correct way. And if you do not necessarily care about the political candidates, just think about the courts. And for those who live in the state of New Jersey, Marijuana legalization is on the ballot. So there's no excuse not to vote. I'm not telling you who to vote for. Vote Joe. But, you know, get out there and vote. Exercise your right. There's more than just who's in the White House
1: online right now. And at that point, I really have nothing more to add. I think anybody who watched last night, I think you saw it for yourself. You saw someone who was prepared, who was you know, writing down, you know, questions, writing down responses, just being prepared, being ready to like answer the question at hand, right? Versus someone who was like trying to just be good at playing politician. So, hey guys, like I think we have to really make this happen right now because right now this is, this where the country's in a very precarious spot. And I think if we kind of don't all kind of take a stand and do the things that we need to do, We're going to be in trouble for another four years, right? And beyond, right? Like, we are. So, you know, shout out to Senator Harris. And even to to speak to to Jeff's point, she did have to walk a fine line. And really, like, it's one of those, unfortunately, you know, and talking to people, like, you know, I was was texting, like, she has to walk a fine line in, in between, like, being too assertive where she gets called a bitch and not assertive enough where she's being called a punk ass bitch, right? And that's really the unfortunate part of being a black woman in society, but also a black woman who's trying to be your vice president and possibly eventually your president. Shout out to her. She did an amazing job. Please don't fall for the ruse, guys. Like, Really open your eyes and see what's happening.
2: As always, man, to signing off, man, I want to thank you guys for rocking with us for another week. I normally take this time to say we'll be back again every Monday. I'm not going to make that promise anymore, man. Keeping it a buck with y'all. For real, for real. If we get into another run of, of uh, bad news, if the man with the orange hair gets elected again... We might take some time off again. Who knows what'll pop up, but you know, as always, you can kind of keep up with us on social media, FRFR, the podcast. If you want to hit us up, man, to give us some feedback on the show. Sponsors, man, money talks out here too. So if y'all want to kind of send us something, have us talk about your product, man, jump into the DMs or hit us up on the email at FRFR. The at gmail.com. Let us know what y'all want us to kind of pump, man. And we'll take it from there. But We'll be back, man, when we got something to talk about and hopefully something that you guys want to hear. Until then, peace. And Trevor, I
1: feel bad for you. You just bought a house, so you got to stay in this country. Jeff and I have the freedom that if we need to escape, we will escape. Bruh. (laughs) Good night, everybody.